Welcome back to another episode of Rethink Real Estate, folks. Today, I'm joined with Mr. Chris Cochran. He is back. He's been, uh, we're trying to limit uh, the marketing episodes to maybe around one a month. But uh, this one, I honestly, I really enjoyed today. It was uh, it was one where we're talking about our process and how we're really going through a data enriching process within Harcourt's auctions and going into new marketplaces and how enlightening it has been and difficult it has been without it and how we can draw a parallel to your real estate business and using this data enrichment idea and all of these new ideas that Chris has found. And, and to be honest, they're probably not new ideas. They're, they're ideas that have been out there for a very long time that I haven't been aware of. And Chris has really made it so much easier to target individuals that are looking to do something now and how we can be doing that within your own real estate business. I also touch on as well, guys, uh, the T360 Summit that's just happened and and some of the major CEOs from major organizations out there um, and their biggest fears in the real estate community at the moment, which leads back into data enrichment. And the reason that it is very fearful out there at the moment is that lead-based businesses, you know, businesses that just go out and buy leads and then hand them off to their their staff or hand them off to the agents, they're very fearful that they'll be going away very shortly because of the buyer-side commission lawsuit that's set to change the industry over the next number of years. So it's really interesting from an in- industry perspective, and it's vastly interesting as we dive into the crux of what we're doing from a data enrichment side with Harcourt Auctions and as we move through to the next steps of things. But it's also great from a parallel to be drawn to your real estate business and how you can take some of these things into consideration to grow your business and make sure that you've got one that will be sustainable for the future. Thanks so much. Welcome to Rethink Real Estate. My name is Ben Brady, and this is a real estate podcast aimed to deliver sales strategies, marketing tips, and business insights from industry experts and myself to build a listing-focused business for the future. Let's get into it. Well, Christopher, I don't think I've had you on since we've been doing the introductions to the episodes, have I? No, I don't think so. All right. So so I'm going to intro this episode. So that's why I'm cutting straight into it. Tell me, is that a new figurine in the background? <laughs> uh, it's actually an old uh, new figurine. Um, so it's from, it's Robinson Cano and he hasn't played for the Mariners in like, I don't know, seven years or something like that. So he was uh, one of our best second basemen. And then, you know, we gave him a bunch of money and he fell off a cliff. So, and then we traded him. Oh, that is amazing that I have absolutely zero context or idea what you're talking about, but whatever. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) This was real estate related, you know, their star player and then, you know, they left to a different office, I guess. Do you you know, hang on, let's face it though, like the thing that I'm just amazed at in professional sporting leagues here, especially baseball is how quickly people are traded. Imagine what type of... Um, imagine what type of revenue that brings in the real estate community in some of the major cities, like some of the big, some of the big stuff. Like, because I'm assuming they're not renting their homes in each location. Maybe they are. Maybe the maybe the team's got a whole bunch of rentals. It's like 50-50. Usually the teams have their own specific realtor. Um, and this is a funny little tangent, but actually the Seahawks player, Seattle Seahawks up here, uh, Tyler Lockett, who is one of our best wide receivers, he's actually a realtor for Keller Williams. And he is now, his team is announced as the um, 
Seahawks preferred realtor for anybody who moves in, which includes coaching staff, which includes like everything, all the personnel, um, all of the players, everything like that. So, I mean, Tyler Lockett just double ended the bag. I feel like right now, which is oh, didn't he? What? Well, that's great. Well done to him. But uh, but that's yeah, no, that's interesting because we auctioned a property in San Francisco, like right in the heart of San Francisco, for actually one of the gentlemen who has a minority stake in um, the Giants, and and. He so his property we auctioned. I think it was like seven or eight million dollars. Um, we got it. We got a really good price for it. And again, the market was just humming, so it was it wasn't really overly difficult because it was just one of those properties that was definitely going to sell. It was just a matter of how much, and we cultivated it through the auction process and through the transparency. But the funny thing was is that there was this little offshoot condo. It was kind of like a like a maid's quarters, and then you open it up, and it's this little loft, and that's where the picture the the picture for the San Francisco one of the pictures, like the starting picture anyway, one of the starting pictures. I should say, like, see, I don't have a clue what I'm talking about, but, <laughs> but, um, but he was, he, he was living there at the time. So uh, yeah, we'll come, we'll come to find out that it was like Madison Bumgarner living in a uh, maid's closet and that'll be the story. And you have no clue who that is, but no. he's one of the most iconic world series pitchers of all time. Um, either him or Tim Lincecum from the San Francisco giants is like, it's like prodigy. Like that's uh, like, uh, you see that name in San Francisco. Everyone's like, Oh, mad bum or, or big time Timmy. Jim. Hang on. Yeah, well, I just, we, I know we're, I know we're three minutes into this episode and it's just been complete <laughs> shit so far, but hang on. Could you please repeat the first guy's name? Uh, Madison Bumgarner, mad bum <laughs> is his uh, nickname. Mad bum. He's a big <laughs> giant dude. Who's very scary uh, on the mound. Oh, and it becomes oh. a tiny little dude who's from Seattle area. He's from Bellevue. Uh, I played with his brother, actually, um, which is awesome. So I played with his little brother. Or was it older brother? Maybe it was older brother. <laughs> Did his parents hate him? Because that like, that name is just <laughs> unreal. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's bring this back into, into line here, Christopher, and let's talk about the topic today, which is that we're going into database management, but also just data management in general. Like For those of you that are just joining us is that Chris is actually one of our, I think that, you know, we've got him down as the director of marketing or the head of marketing or whatever your bloody title is. But, you know, realistically, I think Chris has actually transitioned into just the data bum himself. Now, see, you got me saying bum. This is unbelievable. <laughs> but like he he has just been deep into the data management of what we're trying to do through Harcourt's Auctions at the moment and the expansion of what we're trying to achieve. And and for those that haven't been following our journey, we, we're expanding into some different marketplaces. And, you know, we've been, we, we've been toying with it for a couple of years now and expanding the process into into marketplaces you know has started with one of the things of bringing chris on board was understanding how ill-equipped we were from a data perspective in order to enter marketplaces we were really just scattergunning in the first degree and it really wasn't sticking for us and it's and now we're able to with the data get very very precise with our individual audience our individual clientele all of those different things that that get, get that gets us speaking to the people that we know we can help and as quickly as possible so nearly every single conversation chris has got us having at the moment in the identity identification of those people is really a very, very productive conversation for our auction team. But where I'm going with all of this at the moment, I want to give some context before we dive into it with Chris and I, is that um, it's really important, I think, this topic at the moment in the entire real estate industry, because recently there was a summit called the T360 Summit, and that's done by um, the, uh, a company called T360. Stefan Swanepoel is the chairman of that. Um, they are an individual consulting company for the real estate industry. They are the largest independent consulting company in the world. I think I've mentioned them on the podcast before, but uh, they recently held a summit and they invite all the CEOs to all of the organizations, well, real estate organizations in uh, the US and North America, so to speak. And I had the pleasure of actually, you know, being involved in in some of the stuff that they were doing. And there was a panel 
that was on the that was on where it was the top four brokerage uh, CEOs, and what I mean by that, like Gary Keller, you had um, the CEO of Homes of Homes of America, um, which is like Berkshire Hathaway and all of their co-brands. You've got the um, the the CEO of Anywhere, formerly Rheology, that has Sotheby's, Century Twenty One, Better Homes and Gardens, like you name it, they basically own it. They own, I think, two transactions out of every five are owned by Anywhere Realty. Um, and then you had a couple of really major independents. And one of the things that was very interesting in that topic, Chris, was they were very vocal around how lead generating based businesses are in a lot of trouble moving forward, and they want to get a lot of their teams and realtors and officers moving away from the purchasing of leads and handing them out because let's face it chris what would you say the percentages of 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 companies that are giving buyer leads like there is 99 percent of the marketplace is only really able to give buyer leads yeah 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 yeah. it's i mean there i, I don't know the exact number but there's it would be there there's just if they're not going to zillow them giving you actual real buyer leads is probably few and far between like like because yeah. let's face it that's where the buyers are going for their like interactions or right. going to Zillow, uh, certain markets, you know, go to realtor.com or Trulia or Redfin or stuff like that. Um, but if you're not going to those big players and you're not buying those leads directly from there, from a broker's standpoint, then you really don't have leads at scale, enough scale to be able to pass off to your, you know, 20, 50, 100 agents yeah, um, but, 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 on a consistent basis. But also, let, let's face it as well, is that they're getting those leads so juvenile, like somebody that's willing to even oh, just 100%. click a button, the trail process that they would have to have to get that thing to maturity, it would just be crazy because we all know that you give an agent or you give anybody a lead at the at the infancy of it, 95% of people won't be able to follow that all the way through to maturity. So where I'm going with this though, is that my, mainly these businesses are based around buying and then they hope that eventually they lead into people that is going to sell their homes. And, you know, the best people are doing it because of their longevity in the business, they're cultivating and until that person needs to sell that property that they ultimately sold them. But where, where, where all of this has a very, very hard stop in it and why they're gearing people away from it. If anybody's been following the real estate industry, there's a massive class action lawsuit at the moment around buyer side commission. And it is going to shake things up. Now, to our Aussie, New Zealand, South African, you know, all of the people that are internationally listening to us at the moment is that, you know, they are sort of like, what do you mean buyer side commission? No, we don't have buyer side. We can only make money off listings anyway. Now, that's not true exactly is that in those countries that if you're representing a buyer, the buyer can pay you. Obviously, they're not going to pay you that much, but the buyer can pay you in order to represent them as well and have sort of like a buying concierge, so to speak. I don't like to call them a buyer's agent. It's a buyer's sort of concierge that helps them through the process and quote unquote negotiates for them. Okay. Now, where I'm going with all of this, this big lawsuit at the moment is going to really shake up the industry. They're saying there's a three-year timeline for this to happen. This lawsuit, they think that the lawsuit's going to be lost by the real estate um, uh, commission. And then eventually, then there'll be other lawsuits that then come in and then there'll be legislation that changes for the buyer side fee. Now, we've been saying that there's downward pressure on commission in the US for a very long time. This is going to accelerate that. And this is going to mean that the buyer side commission either goes away or there's this one big caveat to this whole thing, Chris, that I think is going to be incredibly interesting to watch. Buyer-side commission probably won't go away if and only if the major lending organizations agree to allow buyers to bake the buyer's commission into their purchase price. Now, what I mean at the moment, for those who don't understand, the commission is paid by the seller-side commission. So there's 5%. For the transaction, two and a half goes to the buyer side, two and a half goes to the listing side, but it all comes out of the seller's proceeds. And that is the lawsuit at the moment, is that 
I've got a representative that's being paid by the seller that's representing me as a buyer. That is basically the lawsuit at this point. So that is in massive threat to really disrupting the industry. So all of these major CEOs, Chris, are telling their teams that it's time to move away from the Zillow buying leads, which are, by the way, I think are the biggest mistake that anybody can make in, their, make in their infancy of their career is doing too much Zillow buyer stuff because they run around with these people wasting their time for so long they don't focus on building the infrastructure to a normal business. And I, I'm quite vocal about that as it stands probably on a couple of episodes now. But realistically is that the thing is all leading back to guys, you've got to collect people's data and you've got to build relationships back to traditional real estate, please. And that's kind of like what we've been on a journey of with Harcourt's Auctions 3.0, so to speak. Yeah, we, we've been on it from, you know, more on an agents and a seller's standpoint from the jump. We, we From our standpoint, we don't service the buyers as much as we service the agents and the sellers, like, uh, because they choose to, you know, list with an auction process. Um, so we don't even go to... Um, uh, buyers from that standpoint. No. Now we, we do market our listings to buyers and we do um, market uh, everything around the listing and everything like that to try and cre increase exposure to get more buyers in the door but we're not actually going after them from a new business perspective. So new business um, perspective when it comes to any of our marketing efforts is all done through agents and sellers. And it's all starting with our database. It all comes out of our database. Um, our database is the center spoke of our hub um, for the entire wheel of everything that we do from a marketing perspective. Yeah. And like, so, so, so Chris and myself and the whole team have been on a journey of this process called data enrichment. And, and and if anybody understands the real estate marketplace in North America, we have things called MLSs. And MLSs then feed data into us that then ultimately then Chris is putting through this program called HubSpot and then trying to refine it. And then when we, what I mean by refine it is that our target audience for auction is agents, right? Now, don't get me wrong. There might be some opportunities for sellers into the future that might have expired or things along those lines. But And that that is what we'll get to eventually. But our first step in all of this is actually agents. Now, an agent that has had a property on the marketplace for over 30 days in a lot of the major cities at this point, even though that might seem quick to a lot of people, they're probably starting to fray the relationship with their sellers a little bit. And instead of going and asking for a price reduction, or maybe they already have, then we're offering them the auction process as a solution to show that that agent is an innovative person. And we have basically been guessing where to find these people and ru rummaging through Zillow and just clicking on all the properties to basically find these people before Chris came along in this data enrichment side of things. And it's been a journey, Chris, to say the least. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I mean, when we take it back to the infancy of what data is and what, what a lead is at the end of the day, right? When you get a lead from Zillow, usually it's a first name, last name, email address, phone number, and whatever property that they're interested in or they contacted about, right? That That's that's really it. If, if you just take out the property aspect of that part and you're looking for first name, last name, email address, and phone number, you can find that on the web. You yeah. can find that out there. Um, now, how le how legal is it and how um, legal is it for you to start marketing to it? That's a different <laughs> conversation. But you can find that information directly off the bat for pretty much anybody under the sun these days. The internet's so open and transparent at this point. Ben, I can find your email address in a quick in a click of a button. I can find your phone number and I can reach out to you with a cold call um, pretty quickly at that point. Can I? Can we touch on something just there, Chris? Sorry to stop you in the flow, but I just want to touch on that for the, for for my thought process. Is that we're lucky that we're targeting agents that publicly want to be found. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but they're almost. 
not I, I wouldn't say almost, but there are a lot of people who are very open with their information at that point. I can find pretty much. I mean, literally, you go on a date with a girl and you can find her Facebook or Instagram, everything like that. And like, um, you know, it's called the like the you know Facebook stalking and stuff well, like that. I was about that. to say we don't condone stalking <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. so, but but I mean, you can find pretty much all that information before you know really anything about this person. Um, so if we're thinking about data and leads in in that aspect, and you're thinking about a target market, a farm or you know, anything like that of like a hundred homes, you could find that information. We know you could find that information through title. You could find that information through uh, online searches. You can find it publicly available information. Um, so you can find a lot of information out there about the data and the people that you're trying to target. And those are therefore, you know, in, in infancy stages, if we're talking about infancy leads, that would be the same thing, in my opinion, as just getting a very infant Zillow lead. Like, now, yes, there, there's there's levels to this. The Zillow lead is a little bit warmer than the, the raw data. Um, but from that standpoint, that's where you come into play. That's where, um, you know, your door knocking efforts, your email efforts, your phone call efforts, that's where you can warm those up and see kind of their level of intent from a selling perspective. So, so let's, let's, let's refine this a little bit and sort of draw a parallel to what we're doing. So breaking down the layers so that then people can ultimately see what's going on is that, so Chris, we, we bring every agent in the Bay area, for example, uh, we bring into the system. Then from that data perspective, then we sort of, then, then you refine it by who's the agents that have done a deal in the last 12 months. Now, people that are listening internationally are probably shocked that there's, you know, five or 6,000 agents in the Bay area. And out of that, there's probably 2000 that have done a deal within the last 12 months. So then automatically there's an audience there, but then you go, then you refine it even further. Who's got an active listing at the moment? Okay, bring it down to then say you know uh, you know 1500 agents then who's got an active listing on the moment that is that it has been on the marketplace for longer than 21 days you know then that gets refined even further and I believe that there was uh, over 45 days is like 800 listings on the market from San Francisco down to San Jose just on the peninsula so so there all of a sudden we've got an audience a target audience that we know is actually going to be uh, go, going to be much better suited for us to spend time marketing directly and understanding directly to those people that th- there's an identification of the people that then we can talk to that are our I- ideal client customer so to speak now now from there how do you how would you associate that with sellers like do you get all the data in and then you refine based on activities in order to do that yeah, I mean, if if we we're going strictly just from a seller perspective, I mean, you can run down a bunch of different activities. You can say, and again, it's all about what data you can grab in. And so the infancy stages of the data in the beginning, you know, you're just trying to grab first name, last name, email address, phone number. If you start partnering with, um, you know, local businesses and start taking in some of their information, if you put, you know, a cookie on your website, a pixel on your website, and stuff like that, you can start taking in information from your website. Um, if you um, direct a lot of people to email and you're sending out emails to people, you could figure out who clicked on the emails and who's interested in certain topics and everything like that. So there's a lot of other data pieces that uh, you would have to pull in. It depends on the, you know, what you're serving them, what's your goal. Um, if your goal is, you know, give them um, market information and show them how much their property is worth. And then if someone clicks on that, that shows that they're high intent. Yeah. Um, and then they should get this extra piece of information from you, yeah. whether it's a call, whether it's another email, whatever it is, then that's where those triggers kind of come into play from a database marketing standpoint. This is, it's actually really interesting to talk about this because it, while we're talking about this, I hadn't really given this a great deal of thought, you know, up until now is the parallels around what we're doing and how much easier what we're doing in a B2B world than what it is to a B2C world. Okay. Being a business to 
business versus business to consumer. Like Chris, you've dealt with all of these different types of businesses in the B2B, the B2B2C. We're kind of Harcourt's Auctions is kind of a B B to B, B2C as well. And and the the interesting part about all of this though is that I've got to be honest, is to break the to break the mold and have this type of stuff for a B2C business is really difficult. So I'm thinking about this from a real estate transaction perspective. I'm thinking about products like Real Scout and all of these automated emails that then send market information automatically to people that you already know. But in order to send that information, you've got to meet them and you've got to and you've got to sort of cultivate an interva- a relationship with them kind of, even if it's from an arm's length, in order for them to engage deeper with you. And this is what leads me to this absolute mind. It's this mind field of, we did a podcast episode, then you know it is, that has a fast moving marketplace ruined your business. And the nature of that is that selling property really quickly doesn't allow you to capture as much as you possibly can from a data perspective as what you normally would if a property stayed on the marketplace for 45 days. And you personally did every single one of the open houses. And then even one step first, further, you actually got every single person to register their information. That is the only place that I can see into the future where people will come in willingly and be able to give you, have to give you the information in order to get there um, versus anywhere else it's going to be kind of protected or what is your thoughts around that? Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, we're already seeing everything protected online from a standpoint, like you talked about earlier, all the data that we're bringing in. And we're lucky in a sense that we already have to bring in a lot of property information for our websites and stuff like that, that we power for our brokerage. Mm -hmm. And so so we have all of that information. And all we're doing is just matching that in our system and saying, okay, we already have this agent over here for the public information that they put on the website and everything like that. And then all of a sudden we see them pop up on our website and here's the listing address. Now that's lucky that we, we have a scenario like that. You're not going to get that with sellers. You're, you're mm-hmm. not going to get all that information and you're not going to be able to have that from that standpoint, which is where you need to get creative in, in delivering value and being able to put data in your database that actually makes sense. When I was working on uh, a team, a Remax team of eight agents, and I came into and I was brand new, super infant into real estate, uh, my job was to enrich our database and figure out wh- all these people in our database who actually would want to do business with us because they weren't doing any database marketing at that point. Um, I realized that we were getting something like an 8% open rate on all of our emails, which is terrible. It's atrocious from that standpoint. Um, and it was because nobody is it, cared. Is it, is, it though, is it though? Like I I thought 8% yeah. was okay. <laughs> no, from an open rate, it's, it's terrible. Like you, you don't <laughs> want to be in 8%. You don't want to be in single digits at all. Right. Um, you definitely want to be sitting around the 30%. And just insight into our business, we're sitting about, for all of our emails, 42% right now open rate, which means every one every pretty much two emails that we send is getting opened and getting the information to the intended target, which is awesome for us. What um, do you what do you what do you put that down to? Why why is ours so effective? Personalization, and that's that's kind of what I was getting into. Is it's so much about personalization and creating an email that w- doesn't seem like those you know real scouts and those market trends that are just kind of blasting out to everybody. Um, what we're doing is we're actually sending emails that are very specific to a need. Um, and from a seller standpoint, this could be everything from sending emails. We used to have everything in our database from their favorite sports teams to their pet names to do they like the wineries in the local location? What restaurants do they like? And it was literally just building relationships, but putting all of that information in a database so that I can quickly filter it and uh-huh. say, okay, they are a member of you know the Rancho Bernardo Country Club. Yep. Um, here is an event we're holding at the Rancho Bernardo Country Club, yep. or here's a discount, or, or here's any of that stuff. And then we would send the emails from that standpoint. Our email rate went from 8% to 38%, literally almost overnight by just changing the way that we interacted with people and the data that we put 
in our database. And it was more of the, not the listings, not everything like that. It was treating people like people in our database. So that, give me, give, give me an example of how you, how like, so the data enriching like is, is making sure that you've got the right email address and everything. And the reason that, you know, we get such a high click rate from the agents that we market to is because we use their current property address in the subject title. So they have a listing called 123 Smith Street. Our email title is 123 Smith Street. So obviously they're going to click on it. That's that personalization that you're talking about. So, but but I'm struggling to see how if you gave me an email that said local wineries or something like that, how I would like, I don't really give a shit really. Like, (laughs) You you don't until it's- um, Until you do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, until it's like, we understand that they're going to the Rancho Bernardo Winery a lot. And so here's the event list for the summer for the Rancho Uh, Bernardo Winery. And then we put it in there. And then we also show our latest listings in that email and we show everything else that's kind of sprinkled in that email. We know that they enjoy that. Um, But also the other standpoint is um, sports teams. We used to send, you know, literally like $10 mugs of like Cowboys mugs or 49ers mugs or stuff like that. And we would send it to them as like a Christmas present or a birthday present because we would have both their birthday in the database. We would have all that. We'd have their kids' birthdays. Um, we'd have everything from like what their kids are into, what sports they played, you know, little things like that go a long way in your database because then you can quickly filter and be like, okay, I want to send out, you know, 100 emails today to all the kids who play, who all the parents whose kids play in the local little league um, right, right. Like so you so you would use you would use local events in order use to everything. then right use everything so so let me so i'm going to step back i want to step back a little bit yep how did you get this shit like like again it's kind of creepy oh someone walks in open house give me a kid's birthdays give me your birthdays <laughs> what sport yep. team you know your social security number <laughs> you ready for this you ready for this it's all out there um, uh. and it's on facebook it's on it's on instagram it, it's on all these places and we would just take note um so i would personally take note when they go out to lunch with this person we would take note and i i know it sounds like a lot a lot of no work. no no i just i'm picturing you just full stalker mode just yeah. that was your job that that's what it was i was like a personal investigator for like no, 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 like, no. let's call it what it was <laughs> personalized creep <laughs> yeah, exactly. For like a year, and uh, which which was awesome. But it allowed like when they when the agent comes back, the agent would have notes from an open home of like, you know, they came through. They came through with their two kids. I asked them if they had a third kid. No, blah blah blah. Like, and then they got the kids' names. They wrote all this down on the open house sheet, which wow. I know seems like a lot of work, but they're building relationships in those open houses. And then my job on Monday was to literally sit there in the database and take their notes and put it into our database. Yeah. And so I would literally just take their handwritten notes from that standpoint, the sign-in sheet, yeah. and I would write all of that information into our database. And then they would get all the follow-ups of the local properties. We would also tag them, which open house they went to. It was tagged by location, price, features, uh, what was important to them in the open house sheet. And then we would only send them properties that were very similar to those standpoint. It was basically like the Zillow recommendations that they now get in their email inbox before that happened. And because we were the realtor giving them that stuff, we built a lot of credibility that I think a lot of realtors in the area didn't build um, hmm. with those with those people who were also visiting their open houses, but they weren't following up. They weren't getting Zillow recommendations. Uh, like they weren't getting recommended properties properties that were very specific to their criteria. They were just getting a blanket statement of properties. Um, and we were able to build a lot of buyers from that standpoint. And then hopefully in the future, after I left and everything like that, those stay relationships and they become sellers at that point. It just seems like though that... that so. Everything obviously is led by design. Like I'd like to think that that the the leader of that company or the or the or the leader of that organization yes. that employed you was very mindful of this 
correct? A hundred percent. Well, that's why she hired. That's that's literally the job description. And her name is Maria Pena Morales. Um, she passed away recently with cancer and everything like that. Um, very, very heartbroken. She was probably the pioneer in my mind when it comes to anything marketing. I, I had no clue I wanted to be in marketing or anything like that from that standpoint. But when I sat down and I learned about this, I was like, this makes so much sense yeah. that like, why not? Why? Yeah. And she had this giant database that wasn't getting used. And we, we always learned from early days in real estate that the only thing saleable in our business is our database. Mm. Um, that was what we were getting taught to in the Brian Buffinis and the Mike Ferries and all that stuff was the only thing that was saleable in our business. And especially our team at that point was, you know, the brand, the logo and everything like that. And then in turn, the database. Yeah. And so we wanted to make sure that the database was completely buttoned up. It was working for us and it had relevant information. I think that's one of the key things we need to understand in real estate too, is how quickly uh, contact information for people, first name, last names doesn't ever change, but phone number and email change drastically. Um, and people just have this data that's in there for, you know, 10, 15 years, and they think they can reach out to them via email and then they never get a hold of them. Mm. Or they reach out to them via text message and they never get a hold of them at that point. Constantly enriching and taking that data and making it better. Oh, is, it's just, is, I, I, I can't, I, I can't speak to it. Like, again, I can't speak to that level of degree of detail in my own real estate business when I was selling or, or even anybody really that I know very well. Um, and uh, like, I can't speak to that, but I can speak to it now between the night and day approach of when we went to San Francisco prior to, prior to COVID, we just basically, were just giving a quick little trial to, um, to, to white label auctions, you know, external to the Harcourts network and to see how it was going to be received by the market really a test case and I, you sort of walked in there and you had zero idea where to start it was kind of like being a title officer or like an escrow officer or like somebody like that that's sort of like i need to go get business what do you do you go start knocking on the door of realtors and i have to be honest is that people when you are calling with a particular you, you're like it's like the millions of emails that i get a day where it's like are you looking for a new accountant like they are just literally uh, it's the prey and sprayer hope it really like hope strategy Whereas now today, the, how quickly we have been able to adapt into a marketplace and identify the people that definitely need us are the people within. It's kind of that, if anyone's ever heard that theory, Chris, I know that you have is crossing the chasm. You know, you need, like the early adopters are just going to be the early adopters. They're the ones that are basically accept anything really, okay? And they're the easy ones to find in the marketplace through just going through. But then you actually, to break into a marketplace or to cross that chasm, you need pragmatists that normally wouldn't use it, but they need to be in distress. And that's yep. an agent at 45 days, the seller's screaming at them. They've already done a price reduction. What do I do next? This outside of asking them for a price reduction. Hey, along comes Harcourt's auction, auctions all of a sudden. They ignore us the first time, but what you've done from a layering process, Chris, might be a really good way to give people an understanding of how we're identifying those people at the moment and how they might be able to do the same in their database. Yeah. So, so the easy part for our standpoint is that we can understand days on market, mm. but this is, this is not saying that agents can't see that as well. Agents can see expired listings. They could find, um, you know, price reductions and they can, they can, you know, start to see the writing on the wall for certain properties and, uh, certain sellers and everything like that. So there's a lot of triggers that you can also see that, you know, a listing is about to be canceled, expired or withdrawn. And, and can I ask, can ahead. I, can I ask, I don't know if you know this and, and by the way, we're not giving real estate advice in any of the States and blah, 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 disclaimer. Um, <laughs> Is that? Could, do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Because I just came to mind. 
because one of the things that you you do is you layer in some social media stuff well before we send out some emails and you do it while we're doing it. And it's me talking head like I am right now, sort yep. of talking about auction. Do you think that agents in a marketplace could actually start getting a list of the people that have had price reduction that are coming up to expiration possibly and start targeting them? Is that against the rules? I don't know if it is. By the way, guys, we don't know. Look up your local rules and what you can do and can't do. I know yep. you can't solicit people, blah, 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 blah. But, but realistically- couldn't you, you could literally employ somebody to just get a list of those people that once a price is reduced or that's starting to come up and then you start sending them targeted advertising on social media. And then once it does expire, then they know exactly who you are and they, and, and you are right there when they, when you need them. Is that a possibility? Well, can you do it? A hundred percent. I don't know about the rules and everything like that. I know you can't actively market uh, for a property or for a listing when it's you know when it's active on the market. I know that's the rule specifically for uh, that was San Diego um, SDAR. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know about all of CAR and everything like that. Like I, I just don't haven't paid attention um, from that standpoint. But so I know you can't do that. But what's stopping you to having an ad that's just explaining the market and explaining uh, awareness, auction, auction, auction uh, awareness. But what, what's the difference between that and then having an organic post about it and then stumbling across the organic post? And also, what's the difference between having a bus bench in their neighborhood also at that same time? So like, I, I, I don't 100% see the difference between having a bus bench that's also talking about that problem. It literally parked across the street from someone's house because that you could theoretically same, do that. It's the same yeah. thing in social, yeah, correct. Yeah, it's the same thing guess, in social. There might be but, a bit. There might be a bit of gray area from a general. Yeah. I'm talking. I'm talking about agent to seller. There might be yep. a bit of a gray area if you've actually added their name and their phone number and their email address in specifically to target them. So again, just but, figure it but, out. But theoretically, hey. you don't have to target them by name or anything like that. You could theoretically, if you see geo. a bunch of price reductions, yeah, you could do a geo uh, around the area. So if you see a bunch of price reductions in a certain, you know, five mile radius or one mile radius or stuff like that, you could then do an ad that then solicits, you know, your solution to price reductions and everything like that yeah. and why you don't believe in them and everything like that. So super, super interesting. Shit like that makes me just go, oh, why am I not just getting back and selling real estate? Like, God, you just cream it. <laughs> now, hey, um, sorry, I interrupted the thought process of our layering process that we do to give them an idea of what ultimately they can do in their business. Yeah, so we bring in we bring in all the data basically that's publicly available and people we've had interactions with in the past. That's that's probably the biggest piece of our, our data. So everybody who comes in is not technically a marketing contact and we don't actually market to them. Um, the people who we market to have had previous interaction with us, have had some kind of level of opt-in at that point. Um, from from there, we take that data because we don't know how new it is. We don't how don't know how accurate it is. People put their data inside of uh, a lot of things that you know their website or anything like that, uh, or they've given us data tens, five, ten, six, seven years ago, whatever. Um, at that point, and it could be outdated. So then we take that data, we take a list of that, and we actually send it to a place called Upwork, and we look for a virtual assistant to do the enrichment. And so they go through and they look at you know the websites of those actual people. Um, they change everything. We I literally have them change everything from the preferred name that they like to be called. So if it's Christopher, but I like to be called Chris, we understand that that has a difference on open rate, has a difference in interaction rate, uh, personalization. Everything that right, like that. that right there is just brilliant. I didn't even know you did yeah. that. And that's like, yeah. that's brilliant. Yeah, if some, because if someone called me Benjamin, I know instantaneously, they got no idea who I am. Exactly. Or a lot of people put in their data, they put, um, or the way we pull in our data, it'll have their first name and their middle name or, or their middle initial. It'll be like, you know, Christopher E. Cochran. And then I'm like, yeah, if someone talked to me as Christopher E, like, hi, Christopher E in an email, I'd be like, yeah, I'm out. Like, there's no way I'm responding to that. There's no way I'm opening that. Like, it's, it, it's over. Um, so that's where we do 
all of that standpoint from an enrichment standpoint, we bring that information back into our database and then we match them with properties, uh, property information that they're listing and everything like that to understand the days on market. From there, we then target them on social media ahead of time. So we target them um, before we send any emails, before we send, before we do any phone calls to them or anything like that. We do actually weeks worth of advertising on social media to build the brand and build the awareness to them and build the problem. Um, so we're we're basically showing them that this is a problem. I know, like you know, your listings on the market, you might think it's normal, you might think it's the marketplace or anything like that. But we're actually defining the problem in their mind, and then we're solving the problem in those um, videos as well. We're also creating a relationship with Ben. So just like everybody who listens to this podcast you know, you build a relationship, the more you listen to Ben and the more you listen to everybody on video and everything like that, you probably have your favorite influencer that you follow all the time on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever. So we're basically doing that non-organically by putting Ben in front of them over and over and over and over so they can't escape him. So that when Ben calls them or Ben emails them, it's a familiar face at that point. Even if it's not a perceived liked face, it's still a familiar face and they're more inclined to open the email, open the door if you're door knocking, everything like that. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to have some resilience about you though. <laughs> God, I'm glad like I'm not on the front end of this at all. The, some of the comments that we get on some of the ads we run, <laughs> they're pretty good. Which you're going to get. I mean, real estate is a hated industry. Like like think about it from a seller's to real estate, uh, real estate agent perspective. Oh, yeah. oh, it's yeah. definitely, we, we're looked at as, you know, used car salesmen and everything like that, um, which is terrible, uh, honestly, because if you're going to sell your home, I would rather have an expert sell my home. Just like if I was going to go into legal um, to fight a court case, I would rather have a lawyer next to me. Like they're, they're little things like that. I, I would say a real estate agent is right up there in that standpoint, but lawyers don't get hate as much as I would say real estate agents get hate. Maybe yeah. they do. Yeah, it, um, it, Maybe they do. Maybe the, maybe the ambulance chases do. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But um you're going to get those comments. You're going to get those comments. You're going to get those bad interactions. And we actually get them from realtors, which is funny yeah. because we, we get it from the ego sides of realtors, the realtor. And we, I was talking to a realtor literally yesterday and it's like, she's like, you know, I hear from realtors all the time of, uh, when, um, I've been in the year, for, uh, been in the industry for 30 years. Uh, I know X, Y, Z, you know, you just, you're brand new, blah, blah, blah. And it's just the ego side. We get that too. We get the, you know, I've been around for 30 years, auction doesn't work, all this stuff. Oh. And we're like, it works in every other country. And yet you're you're dismissing it before you've even heard about our side of auction. And yet the banks use it. So I think the banks want to use it to make money. Like exactly banks right. Like to make money, optimize, right? optimize, optimize the end result. But I think that, yeah. you know, when it comes down to this layering process is that I can just, I can be the one that's speaking to the fact that I'm on the other end. As we go through this, I'm the one doing this with Chris a lot of the time. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting. Like it goes from... Uh, it's it's funny then you understand the different sources when they come in like at that point when somebody interacts with you you understand the immediacy of how to deal with that and what i mean by that guys let me give you an example of this and and chris can correct me if i'm wrong in the sequence of a lot of this but you know they will get an email when a property first comes on the marketplace saying hey guys congratulations we're here if you need us here's a free tool that you can use our new harcourt's ai harcourt's auctions ai then you go into then hey um, you know, if the property's been on the marketplace for 14 days, they get another email from us saying, hey, look, if the property gets to 21 days, there's a 60% likelihood of it being on the market within 60 days. So, hey, we're here to help if you need us, you know, so on and so forth. Like, and then there's a sequence all the way up to certain days on market. Now that's all happening. 
Whilst that's happening, the people that are then listing properties have been put into a list in the data enrichment side of it. We know all the agents, we know all of that stuff, and we know the properties they have. Then it goes into the social media element. The social media element is then sort of, I'm organically sort of passively out there just in their social media feed and all of that stuff. And then they may have received an email from me already. They may not have received an email from me just yet, all of that stuff. And then when they do, it's just that layering. And then we then have a call company um, that is actually then making phone calls to see if they'd be open about that particular property, having a quick phone call with me, right, in order to then talk about the process for that particular property. And I tell you what, the, the strike rate has been you know, eye-opening. But then the other thing, when you get a quick 10-minute call, you're still kind of on the pitch element in like, tell me why you're great and blah, blah, blah. And it's, you know, they're not, they're not as warm. You get an, somebody that responds back to an email, Chris, is what we found. I thought it was going to be the opposite. I thought if I could talk to somebody, I thought I was in. It has been the opposite. Somebody responds to an email like, yes, Ben, I'd really love a quick co- reach out to me anytime. Like those have been like, bam, 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 bam. Because I think what people really miss here, Chris, they think that somebody comes in from social media and they're going to be really great. They've actually been our worst. Don't get me wrong, we've had a couple, but they have been our worst. Somebody inquires through social media or click here on social media. They've been our worst conversion full stop. Yeah, we've gotten one listing from from social media specifically, and I think we've had seven or eight leads exactly. um, from social media, and and then we've probably only gotten three of those actually on a phone call. Like, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and so it, it's from a social media standpoint, they're uh, very much in the infancy stages. They're they're not looking for a solution at that point. They're just browsing social media. They're, you know, they're looking at kids' photos and stuff like that. Um, email is a different perspective. They're actually sitting in their email. They are sitting at a computer usually or in front of a tablet or on their phone or anything like that. And they actually do a lot of self-education research at that point Mm. when they get an email. So when someone gets an email and they think, hmm, this is curious, and we do put easy access links in all of our emails in the footer, uh, inside of sometimes in the email body of like, hey, here's some more information if you have any questions. We provide some case studies directly in there. So we're building uh, proof and credibility directly in the emails um, from that standpoint that you just can't build in social media ads, that you just can't build in someone trying to set a cold call for for you. Um, so from an email perspective, we, we live in a, in a time where self-education is key. Before yeah. you buy any product out there, period, uh, full stop in your personal life, in your business life or anything like that, you do do research. Every camera that's behind me, I did research on. You yeah. know, every, this computer I did research on and everything like that. I did, I, I feel I, like- bought a new pair of running shoes the other day. I'm like, oh, I'll just, just quickly jump on YouTube and see the reviews on these. Exactly. You want to self-educate so you feel like the expert when you go into any store and you know exactly what you're going to buy, uh, whether you're going to you know, Dick's Sporting Goods or you're going to Walmart. Like Often you don't want to feel like you got ripped off. And it's the same thing in B2B or even B2C sales at that point is they have to have the chance to do their self-exploration. I don't, I don't really think it's, for me, it's not about being ripped off. Like, and again, like I'm, like it's, it's, it's not that. It's actually, I've got a fear of is there something else that's better? Like, am I buying yes. something? Like, like, is there something better out there? I need it's like to the Amazon thing, right? Where yeah. like you don't want to buy like the Amazon Basics because if you just if it breaks seven times, you would rather just buy the most expensive one that's Absolutely. never going to break. Exactly like, right. Exactly. Is it worth the money? And then like, yeah, it's it's such an interesting situation to go through. Like, but guys, I think that as we wrap through this episode, because Chris and I could talk about our process for a while because we're pretty amped up on it at the moment. We're very excited about where it's going, and it just is. 
we're talking to a couple of the key agents that operate with us with Harcourt's Auctions about doing this stuff for their own individual clients and then doing it for their own individual areas, using auction as a marketing tool in order to you know, geo-target people in those locations could be a great idea that we definitely need to take the agents now. But, you know, like really enriching your data and 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 I think that I don't know if there's I think that might just be a full stop. Enrich your data, full stop. Enrich it. Use whatever database tool, CRM tool you have right now. Uh, don't look at the new flashy things. It's whatever you can use from an Excel spreadsheet all the way to you know whatever the latest boom, whatever whatever CRMs are out there right now. From that standpoint, I would use those directly out there and then deliver value. Deliver value in the cleanest way possible um, that is actually relevant to either their search needs, their property needs, um, their seller needs, or their local marketplace and what they're you know and thrilled about every single day. Um, yeah. So like, if you could do that, you'll increase your open rates, you'll increase your exposure, you'll increase your brand identity. And I think you'll build a lot more relationships by just having a lot more information in your database. Well, folks, dropping bombs here, as he always does, I didn't open with it, is that the magician, <laughs> the marketing magician or the you know, the Gandalf of, of marketing or what well, I, I need, I need to come Messiah up with. I'm glad it's, I'm, magician sounds a lot better. Let's, right. let's, let's stick with that one. The Gandalf. I like that. That's good. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Yep. See ya. So about 75% of our audience hasn't liked, followed or subscribed to our podcast. It would mean the world to us and it would help this podcast more than you know to expand our reach if you were to like, follow or subscribe on any of the platforms that you're watching or listening on. Thanks again.